0: Connors thee, how are ye? We are lighting a candle and telling a tale. And this time is a little bit different, because this time we're going to play you a special episode, a recording we made in Whelan's on the 12th of December.
1: And uh, now, let's hear a song from Mary McLaughlin, a Shanno singer of sorts, who uses her contemporary form to... Sing along with her shrewty box and she's singing a song about the mermaid. Enjoy.
2: In between Ireland and Scotland, there's an incredible ocean called the Atlantic. And some of the same legends that happen in Ireland around the Atlantic shore also happen in Scotland, but they have a different interpretation up there. And I'm going to sing you two songs now, one of them from Donegal from the rock in the middle of the island called the rock in the middle of the ocean called Tory Island, nine miles north of Donegal, and the other one from Skerry, the rock 60 kilometers above Scotland. They're both about the same thing. They're both about magical undines, magical sea creatures. In Ireland, they're called mermaids. In Scotland, they're called Selkies, seal people. In both cases, these creatures have an object of transformation, and they can change into human shape. But if they do change into human shape and can't get back to their own shape, they get caught between worlds. And in the first song, that's exactly what happened called Anwajinwara. It's about a mermaid called Mary Hini. The song is the lament that she has with her two children, who are human, because she has refined her object of transformation, has gone back into seal form, to mermaid form, but I can't get back to them, so she's literally caught between the two identities.
3: cus on ground T'anch-na- And Ram in a shasu, it's the spare of
4: Go back to a time before Ku Cullen had his great famous horses. Now Coo had got his name, the Hound of Cullen, after killing the great and ferocious warrior Hound that was belonging to Cullen. When his name was Satanta, he claimed the name Coo to take on the replacement of this Hound. And it was prophesied this name would remain on the lips of storytellers till the end of time. For so the great many deeds, he would do now, Cucullin was kind of lost. He now had a great and many deeds to live up to. He wasn't sure what he would do or have to do. But as he was walking out of Aumaka, a great shining light, bright and blistering, seemed to strike off the surface of the river he was walking towards. And a man stepped out from this gleaming, shining, bright light. And the man had an Great head of hair, blonde and beautiful, a stare that stilled his heart. Crimson cloak tied twelve times around his shoulder and a golden brooch clasped at his chest. And he looked at Kukulan and he said, Today is the day you will get your horses. You will claim the grey of Maka from Sleeve Flu and the Grey Lake. Now at this Cuchulain's heart began to beat faster in his chest because he knew the great tales of the grey of Kaka and the man said, you will claim the black of Shanglin from the dark valley and those roaring high hills." With this Cuchulain turned to Lane, and as he looked back at the river he saw the man disappear, and his leg said to Cuchulain, your eyes are burning bright and fiery, Coo-Cullen. <laughs> cullen said to him,
5: You're burning brighter
4: tonight, <laughs> And with that, Coo-Cullen legged it back down to Cullen's house. Now this was the famous Ford. This was a man that could create anything he wanted. And so Coo-Cullen asked him for a bridle that could not be broken. And Cullen looked at him and he said, I've a bridle that would not be broken by any other horse. By the grey of Maca, And Cullen said Make me one that the grey cannot break With this Cullen turned his men there He said Light up the seven killings Fire them so bright and hot And break your back on those bellows For three days and three nights We will work so hard to make a bridle The grey of Macca cannot break Broken by anything in this world or the next, and he handed it to who walks steadfast and firm with the moon high in the sky, down to the grave, make my sleeve flu now. This gray lake was still, and as the moon shone brightly down on this gray lake, it began to move, it began to bubble and boil, and out of this water a great shape emerged, and the horse now had grey water dripping, emerald drops off its skin, as it stared right like at him then, and it ran for Kukulin. And Kukulin didn't miss a beat. He ran for the grave of Matka. And with one great gesture, he leaped up on the back of this great beast. He put the bit between her teeth, and the headpiece was fast and tight around her head as she kicked, and she bucked, and she leapt on top of the nearest hill. The people said, You might run all the way around her, but I'll not fall off. And so, the Grey of Maca, oh, she ran. Then, and she went from tree to hilltop to hilltop. She ran so fast, she knocked down trees. She blurred past men like a smoke echoed out like a burst of fire. fire. So burning bright and fast, they ran so further fast, in and around the place they could not be seen. All the way over Ireland they ran, through the lakes and the rivers, they ran over the waters until they came back around This sleep, flew. Kumbhalla was holding fast, a second time all the way around Ireland, and the third time they went around and finally, after going so far and so fast, with so many leaps and so many bounds, and Kumbhalla Holding so strong and so tight And eventually the grey of Macca slowed And with this, the colored whispered in the great grey ear And said, I think you're tamed, grey of Macca And she bristled, but she did not run after that He turned her then towards the dark valley And the roaring hills It was darker than dark places. As they moved towards the great dark hills, a plume of smoke came up and in a round. And two warriors stood there, phantoms from the other world. These were the remnants of Formorian figures that had fought for long before battles and died. But their quest was to now remain in this place. And they took out their heavy bludgeon weapons and their heavy shields and moved ghostly towards Kukulan. And as Kukulan went for his sword, a voice rang out. This is the Chosen One. Your time for guarding the past is ended. And these figures disappeared as swiftly as they had formed. And Kukulin went back into the dark, dark valley. And lost all sense of sight. But the sound burning bright in his ears was that roaring rush of water. He heard it all around this valley. And he heard a great, eerie sound of iron doors opening with a burst. And name from the other side of the valley, he heard next and then the clattering and thunderous hooves being belted down as a horse ran towards them and the grey of Makashine and she ran towards this sightless figure of a horse and when they slowed the horses seemed to sense one another as horses do as they moved around one another Because saw the light of the grey watched off the black shape of a great stallion the black of Shanglin. he gleamed quietly and brightly. As Cucullin reached out to feel the head of this great horse, he slipped the bridle over him and said, I have tamed your better, it's time to come back with me. The black of Shanglin looked at the grey of Maka and seemed to nod, not ask any question. Oh, now this was the way of it. Cucullin arrived back down Our On the black, with the black of Changlin in one hand On the grey of Macca He was expecting a hero's welcome He was expecting everyone to roar and claim The greatest warrior had returned But instead he arrived to everyone A little bit uncomfortable You see, Big crew of the Bitter Tongue Was in town and he had just invited everyone to a feast. They all claimed that Cucullan had to go to this feast, hosted by Bikru of the Bitter Tongue. Now, nobody liked Bikru, because his name kind of mentioned why. He was a bitter fucker. And he turned, maybe in the happiest occasion, into a miserable affair. He had a great imaginary spoon that he constantly swiveled and turned all the way See, he was wounded in a battle on before and he could not taste anything other than oats and drink anything other than water. And so he found his merriment and merrymaking in other ways, other ways to use his tongue. He couldn't even sleep with his wife. He was shy crack. <laughs> so he decided to invite all of the men the monster, to a great feast in his feasting hall built for one purpose, to host the crave who of the greatest warriors in Ireland. But nobody wanted to fucker, no, because they knew it was some form of trap. That fucker was up to something. But he claimed he would get such strife going between the men and the women and the women and the women so much so that they would beat their breasts against one another till their milk turned sour. Unless they all decided they would come to the feast. They said they better fucking go, So, And Guggan was very tired of the whole running around Ireland all the time with the grey was fucking knackered, like the parents. He wanted to go home and just cuddle Eamir. He didn't even want to ride, he just wanted to cuddle. <laughs> this is the first time of that. Anyway, big sighed and looked to him, he said, You know, I've got a great feast coming and uh, I've been fattening a wee pig. He's not wee anymore, he's fucking huge. I've been feeding him only honey and milk from 30 milch cows for fucking ages, he's huge the champions portion of my feast will be the greatest portion of champion of your liveries and you should be there, people. you should be there to claim said champions portion after all, you're the greatest warrior aren't you? Now, Kukul jumped from proverbial ball it was and was right straight-footed in college he said, I ain't fucking right about it, Come on, I'm not tired. I don't need to spin. Let's go. And went. They grabbed him and said, We're not spooning tonight. We're on the way to a feast. And like, Maybe you do hair. And sick. I hate what You know. They went into the great, huge feast they called. They're out to have leave with the, the horse that they sighted. You know, that, that entered this thing. They, he didn't realize that... They grew up. The bitter tongue had gone up to the other two champions of Ulster: Larry, Booyah Buia, Buia, with the two pronged, you know, beard. He was a bit of a gobshite, gotcha, really. And, and Colonel like he was a fearsome warrior, the guard of the border. He was terrifying, grizzled and grey, and scary in all forms of terrifying. He was kind of like a Hulk, but anyway, no. He had also told them the same thing as he had told Kukulim, but no one knew about this. As they sat down and they began their merrymaking, they began their eating, and they began their chastating, and their merry form of, you know, saying that you're better than you were, but I'm better than you, because I'm better than you. Ah, the way men do, at table. I'm women we talking about other stuff that I don't
6: want to get into, because I don't know what we're talking about. <laughs>
4: anyway, Bikru left the great pig. He fattened up for a year and a day to be wheeled out, and just as he was leaving, he cried out...
7: The champion's fortune be decided Deathly silence went around the hall
4: As all eyes looked to see who the fuck is going to claim the champion's portion As Big Ru was fucked out the door, fuck, anyway And Larry Boyax, tears stood up and said Oh, I think Larry, you know, he's a great guy, guys uh, come on, uh, I'm from Leinster and, uh, after all, I know a great here when I see one. I've been working over here for ages, guys, I fucking hate it, talking about that. But uh, Larry's a great guy, guys, great guy. I think you should all recognise, you know, he's a team player.
8: Uh,
4: he doesn't just play himself, you know, he's just great, he's just great. I love the guy, not in that way, but, uh, you know. Now at this corner, Karen like, elbowed his charioteer with Clearly it should be this guy, said Colin Cairnock's Jared here because he was terrified of the giant that he worked for and Colin Cairnock was fearsome and it was definitely, clearly his idea to be the champion and he was for a long time before McCullin never came to Owen and then of course, well, McCullen stood on legs, toes, as he stood up and goes Let's not piss him off. You don't know what it's like when he gets angry. Can we not annoy you, call Can we just give him the champion's portion for fuck's sake? He all goes angry and more spazzy me if you piss him off. Let's not. He's had a long day, guys. Come on. But they wouldn't hear But Larry through drew his door. Thorne Cairnick drew his. And they went straight in before you put him. But Larry Gouillard could have fell over and rolled around and got the weight of the gun stood in him and fought all Cairnick. And they were battling up and down in a fierce a ferocious way that swords were flying, sparks were coming off the swords, they were jumping up the tables, they were standing on each other's heads, they were jumping around and men were beginning to take sides, now swords were being drawn, one was going to take Larry's side, one group was going to take Cole's side, only fucking Cucullum was fighting for Cucullum, it doesn't everybody, and I was grand, so I was just about to get into it, till my the king walked straight in between the flying swords and stood there, and he said, which is fucking quit. <laughs> For fuck's sake, I who we shouldn't have come. Bickrow, you prick. Right, lads, tomorrow we're deciding the champions, who the champion is, and who gets the champion's portion. Tonight, we'll just, you know, split it in three, okay? For fuck's sake.
7: Champion's portion, me box. And they all
4: agreed, begrudgingly, to sit down and not fight each other anymore, in fairness, it was the feasting season, it was happy time. And so they all sat down and they divided the great, huge pig, the champions Washington did three pieces, all the his in one bite. There I go, yeah shocked and horrified, he was kind of gray, he got hit to the head, he wasn't sure what was going on. And they were they were waving in front of him, asking him to come to three and four and five. And he was definitely out of concussion, but he was, you know, playing. To you. he was still the champion. Now the colour was pissed off. He was pretty pissed off, but they ate their fill. There was tension in the air. They kept the mead going and it was pouring and it was all flowing and the banter began began to come back. Now Big crew of the bitter tongue was absolutely sickening. It's bottom blowing to create this devastating ruin and, uh, you know, fight. I kind of basically fucked up, so half the time of the feast when everyone had gotten so full them, they wanted to take a break. They wouldn't go throw it up or anything because that didn't ever happen. Uh, they would just, you know, take a little break, have a few songs, tell a few stories. The women went off for a walk. They were going to walk around the property and do some women things. I don't know what they were doing. I don't know what they were doing. They're doing. And they went off for a walk. Now, Big Root sidled away and he whispered into one of the weird woman's ears, you know, the first champ woman back here will be the, the, the greatest woman in all Ulster, you know, yeah, he recognizes the greatest woman in all Ulster if you come back first from your little walk or whatever it is you do. And he said the same thing to the next two women, which were Larry's wife, and Conan's wife, and Cook wife, and Now, the lads were sitting down and unbeknownst to them, they didn't really know what was going on. But they heard the sound of thunder coming towards them. They thought they were under attack. They thought an army was upon them. They thought the crew had sent down to Maine or sent down to Lencer to get an army upon them. They were terrified. And so when they opened the door, they saw the women running towards them. Every one of them with the skirts up around them, absolutely melting it down. There, there was Larry Boyack's wife sweating and heaving and hawing. it was Conan Cairns, beast of a white, laying a bastard, elbowing her out of the way, looking, shoving her open, looking, clamming the hair with one hand and pulling Aimer back with the other. And Aimer was dodging and ducking and as you like it. She was fighting him and she got ahead of him then and she was getting close. And they realized what Bickaroo had said and they said, for fuck's sake. So they closed the door. They looked at Bickaroo and said, you're not allowed to talk anymore. Zip it women got to the door. They were all very panicked. All the running and the feet and around. Now Coo was not happy to say this at all so he went over to the corner of the house and he heaved and he pulled and he picked up the side of the wall with one hand and called Amor who ran in around and just as he was about to drop the door she turned to the women and said
5: Led like cows and shaped like cows are the woman all stir. When stood next to Coo wife Emer. That's me
4: bitches. <laughs> and with that who couldn't the great wall and it sunk down eight feet into the ground and it hurled crew out of his chair and into a stack of shite that was there for the pigs and he was not happy at all so he came in roaring angry and said, you have to fucking fix my wall I have to fucking up to these bricks and so everyone in the Crave roar went and they heaved and they pulled and they pushed and they shoved and they couldn't do anything to the wall because it was a building and they didn't have JCBs back then. And it was very difficult to move. So they said to Kirk come on man, you got to do the thing with the Warrior Scream. He looked at them and really? really? Fucking really? I don't know the fucking Champions portion. Fucking swear to God. Time! Really fucking tired though. He went over the wall. He was very tired. So he kind of went down and he was like, fucking. Three days and I fucking bring him out of the neck. Do so you remember that whole other story with the horses? Fucking exhausted. And he even went for it again. He said, Oh man, I'm absolutely happy. And then Lay called him and said, Come on, you squinting idiot, hurry up. Don't you call me that, he said. He got angry then, his hair stood in his end, his knees turned backwards round, one eye grew in a great bulge, and he squinted and winked, and he pulled the wall up so heavily and hard out of the ground, he shook it down, and he walked back towards his seat, and he looked glaring down at his measly one-third of the champion's portion, and he glared at Larry William, who shrank back and hit under him. His way through his champion portion and glared back at him and he slammed his fist on the table and he said Tomorrow we're deciding who the fucking champion of Ulster really is.
1: We're gonna have a song now from Eva Wolf. She's gonna sing the song She's Named Hound, an original piece from Eva Wolf. Shane Ryan telling the second half of the champions portion.
8: So, open now, Omega,
7: for Urmak Nasimoko. and man, his head was worried. his Three greatest warriors were fighting over which one of them was the best. Everyone knew which one of them was the best, but he couldn't call it. And, as usual, first thing in the morning, he was into the toilet. It's having a piss, he was thinking about it it hit him I know what I'm going to do I'm not going to make this decision I'm going to outsource it to my arch nemesis, Queen Maeve McConaughey she's respected and revered and everybody hates her and knows her she's a great warrior and definitely I can't make this decision but bank to make this decision. This decision for me, and the lads will decided. So he went out and he told Kukulun and Kunun and Larry they're going to go down, Kruak and I to bathe, and she's going to decide which one he is the champion. Now, Kukulun, being a cocky little bollocks that he was, he <laughs> <It hurts. yeah. laughs> turned around to uh, Kunun and said, Ah, Kunun. You're a, the yoke, you know, the, the axle of the yoke, you chariot, is basically as crooked as your neck, and it'll cut a, a line all through Ireland that anyone can follow. And Larry, you've no sense of direction anyway, so you may as well follow him, and I'll catch up, which is afterwards. Is the neck the only thing that's
5: crooked at night? Well,
7: I mean...
4: I can't well, anywhere. Yeah. He told me to
7: say that. Oh, i the lads! No, he didn't. Um, off went the lads. Cullen leading the way, but he was on a big arc. You no, know, Cullen decided that. Since so, as, as he had the grey and maca and the, the black black shine it was It wasn't really going to be a contest for a race, so he' had plenty of time to entertain the ladies that were left back in our mag. Which he did with the needle penetration test or and this consists that it, 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 it actually says
4: penetration. It, in the that, that's in the text. text. <laughs> yeah,
7: it says needle penetration, all right? Yeah. You then yeah. draw your own conclusion about that. This was a very skillful feat to perform. It's tricky. Yeah. So he we went around to the ladies at the court that were sitting there. And he took from them their needles. And with each needle, he threw up into the air. And the next needle penetrated the eye of the needle before it, until they were in a nice big long line floating down through the air, which he caught with one hand, and with one flick of his one hand, he sent all of the needles back to their original owners. There was much giggling and blushing. Very good on his hands. He was. Seven fingers he had. <laughs> With much giggling and blushing Kilcullen Left down Macca Now The two lads had got a very serious head start And they were almost down to Kruha Conoy But Kukulin with late driving The brave Macca and the black shanglad There was no contest at all They were powering down was a monster all the way down To Krua Kanoi. There was a sound of t- under her, her, Outside the walls with woke Maeve and all the ill. And the first scout ran in and said to Maeve, There's a guy here, he's got a ginger beard, he looks a bit lost, there's two forks in it. Maeve looked around and went, Ah, that must be Larry Griel. Was that fake an Egypt one coming down here by himself? But then the second scout came in and said, Seeing this giant gentleman with blonde hair whipped around his face in a crimson cloak, curving his way through the vines. Now, this, she knew that that was gonna turn up, and she looked at all of and the two just said, I <laughs> But
8: then,
7: when Crackling up the magic of the time. The turret stooped right in and said that she saw a gray horse and a black horse driven with the greatest skill. But Maeve, being ever the diplomat, she knew that, you know, three lads in the competition, they're easy to distract, so she called with the fair eyebrows, her daughter, to grab the ladies at the court of the crew of Cali and greet these three great warriors as they arrived, and make some jokes and feed them, and just chill the fuck out before they started wrecking the place, which they when she called the tree guys into her court and asked them exactly what they were there for, Mary Buyock spoke up, made the empty one, and said, Ah, oh, well, Maeve, we're here so you can decide which one of us deserves the champion's portion of Ulster. And at that point, she looked at all of you and everybody in Crew at the same time said, Bye. There was a fair bit of giggling and courting, and dining and a little bit of partying and other rest. first thing in the morning when they arrived and had a whole day to chill out. And then May said to them like, okay, so do you wanna sleep in the one room or do you wanna sleep in the separate rooms in the tree like room each? I'm not fucking sleep with that fucker. Not a chance. So they got one room each. And when they'd gotten and retired to their separate rooms, Maeve snuck off to a nearby fairy hole. And she opened it up. From that fairy hole, she summoned three demon cats. And she tasked these cats with challenging these three champions. So when the first cat crept its way into the area of New York's room, well, he just squealed like a new newborn baby and jumped up into the rafters with his eyes screwed shut and hooked onto the little wood pit. Stuck stood there all night long, terrified to move terrified to open his eyes into the morning Now, his second cat entered and he immediately reached for his gold. Tried to hit the cat where it was too fast and ripped the shield from its hand. And then it flung his sword across the room, and he was barely able to drag himself up into the rafters, where he sat seething with rage into this trick that had been played on him, this demon that he could not possibly fight. All night he sat there looking down. And he went, yeah, yeah, yeah. And knackered after taming the two horses, and as soon as he went to bed, he just went straight to sleep. But when the cat entered his room, he leapt from the bed, and his sword just landed in his hand. He brought it down with a mighty crash and splintered it into a thousand million shimmering pieces all over the room. The cat was startled, it looked him straight in the eye, and all it saw was the seven hero lights looking back at him. Started one of his eyes began to The and eye began to just shrink down. But Kukula cool knew, he knew he couldn't release the sound amazing. He knew there was no way he could control the beast with him. So he just sat there, staring and staring at this demon cat all night long. And the cat was terrified. He just sat there looking up, afraid to move, afraid to blink and when morning came, these cats just evaporated like a wisp of smoke and made called each of the lads into a room, one after the next, first was Larry Buddha and she looked at him and she presented him with a cup. Cup decorated with a silver bird. And she said to Larry, Larry, you are the champion of my challenge. You have earned this cup. And the next time somebody says that the champion's portion be decided, you will produce your cup as proof that you are the champion. Next she called in Kunukyarnak. And he had a silver cup with a gold and she pretty much called in <laughs> Next, she called in Kukulu. And he was given a Latin coat decorated with many, many Jews and all of the rest of And she told him you are the champion of bolster. If anyone asks the producer, oh, this is your proof. And when the two lads walked in saw you, Children playing. They're playing what's known as this wheel toss game. Simple enough game. You get a wheel, throw it up in the air and see how high it goes, and then you try not to let it teach you as it on the ground again. No, simple. No, not simple. They don't look. <laughs> now Barry came out strong. i the champion. And the children were playing and laughing and he just took the wheel and tossed it up and it almost went as high as the wall outside. And then the children all you know, gave a great clap. Insulting and they were just having a crack, right? Really. <laughs> These guys haven't practiced the wheel toss game at all. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> then, several moments later, Kukulin arrived out of Maeve's chambers looking shifty and sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> he saw the children with the wind toss him and he heard the great cheers of all of the Larry and Col before him. And he walked over and he thought, I love this challenge, it's easy." And he grabbed the wheel and he tossed it up in the air and up it went, and up it went, and up it went further and further. And the children were laughing and clapping and cheering until eventually as the wheel began to come down, with such force as it was crushing, any man and grew a The children felt silent and awe, oh, terrified at this boy with unimaginable strength. And Kukulin caught the wheel in one hand. But he looked around at the children, silent. And felt he failed to test, he didn't hear any claps or jeers, so he simply just. Buried it down to its tip in the ground, stormed on. With that, the three lads then began to race back up to Alan Mag. And when they arrived there, instead of waiting until the next feast, and instead of waiting until the next champion's war was being decided, the three of them at the same time stormed straight into the court straight up to them at the same time they produced their cups and said, See, I'm, I'm a drunk monster. Where? Now, it was very, very obvious to everybody that was there, which wasn't serious difference between the cooks and the jewels and it was quite obvious that there was you know one significantly more uh, championing champion than the others but Cora looked around and Larry said hi So he simply walked into the feasting hall, sat his ass down on the pimpatio part of the champion's chair, stuck his cup in front of him, and waited for the glory.
6: Guess I take
1: the fucking champion's portion, so lads. <laughs> and now we have Angel Hannigan telling the last chapter of the champion's portion. Enjoy. <laughs>
5: He's missing now. This fella! This fella! This fella! This fella. No ordinary fella. He's a big fucker. And I don't speak big. I mean, if you're standing in his shadow, you think that there was an eclipse or it was winter all of a sudden. Even if it was winter, you're like, ooh, chilly again. Listen. Now, he had so much hair on his head and hair on his face that he looked kind of like a bear but he was known as a hound, once got once more known. Kuroi one of the greatest druids in Ireland. And he was a badass motherfucker who don't take no shit from nobody. He used to carry around a rock in one hand and a club in the other. Because when he took up arms as a child, he really, really, really wanted it up close and personal. You know, like, I could shoot an arrow at you or I could beat you to death with this big rock. Get <laughs> a So he was an interesting man. He had like an honor code. His greatest uh, quest was to find the truth of every hero, of every warrior. That's how he lived his life. Anyway, Guru Mahesha was wondering who to send the three lads to next, and he landed upon Guru in Dara because you know he's has been scary. All that you know, yeah, yeah. very scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So the lads went down to his, his house, Carr upon Marie, the seat of the king. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Except, um, mm-hmm. Kuroi wasn't there, mm-hmm. slightly awkward. Mm-hmm. that's fine, his daughter was there, you know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. she was pretty hot too. Mm-hmm. They were all delighted, no. and mm-hmm. he left instructions or- with her and he said, uh Three lines. chops off the top of his hair when it's ground, he works with it, swoops, cuts off from my head, stands there, goes, yeah. began to sing and king and cry. And they begged him, call. and called, surely your life is worth more than your honor. And he said no. And all the women in Ulster wept for the loss of this beautiful boy. And all the men were gray and ashy-faced at the loss of this hero, this young boy that they had come to rely on. Master. He was a champion, knowing that he would be lost. But Kakulan said, No, I will face him. And he walked into Iron Lincoln the next morning. silence and Kukul opened his eyes and he saw that Ove had brought the axe down alongside beside his head and he stood up and he looked around and he saw that Ove the stranger was no longer standing there and standing behind him was the Hound of Munster, Roy McDermott. Bigger than any man in the room. And Kuroi looked around at everybody and he said, This, this is your champion of Ulster. From this day until his last, he's to be afforded the champion's portion. His wife is to be honoured above all women. For he is honored above all men. If anybody has a problem with that, come see me at Kahar Connery. Kumoy.
1: school, singing, tramps and hawkers.
9: And soothed by glad green. up Of times I laughed and say, My sad when trudging on the road. My toe As Achilles goes, we wind right the hand. No care nor thought for where I come, unless they were undone Of times i have laughed and say myself, when oh, Trojan. My thorax around And my blistered feet And my face bronze bronzed stone I lumped a cake And satty Scones We wanged A oh, braxy hand oh, Young I've thought, pray, oh, Where I've come Lest they Happy in the summertime Beneath the bright blue sky Nothing can
1: And now we've one last story for you there, a little bit of a encore story, I suppose. It's called the uh, Intoxication of the Ulsterman, but as my sister Sorka likes to call it, on the lash again. Here you go, you.
0: Thank you very much to Whelan's in Dublin for the venue. They gave us that venue for free so that we could give all the proceeds of that night to Inner City Helping Homelessness. Normally, this is the time of the podcast when I say you can support us on patreon.com forward slash candlelit tales. But to be honest, for the time of year and the season that's in it, if you want to throw a bit of money anybody's way, please consider donating to Inner City Helping Homelessness. The performers you heard were Angel Hannigan, Oshin Ryan and Aaron Hegarty telling stories, with music behind them from Audrey Trainer and Gareth Curtis. All of our Candlelit Tales team, you can see us on our website, candlelit tales.ie. We also had beautiful music from Mary McLaughlin, Brian de and Eva Wolfe, and you can find more information about them on the show notes to this episode. Thanks a million for listening and we'll see you soon.